0: Good morning. I for one am happy that the youth are back. So if I tend I thank you! So Patrick pointed that out earlier, and I completely agree. The, the singing's a little bit, a little bit better after camp because the kids are back, and that's that's not at all a reflection of you guys. That's a reflection of the time that they've spent singing. Uh, it, it's a reflection of the good that comes from having kids here. Uh, and so, all of you, uh, most of you, we're very excited uh, to have you back. And and I, but, totally a joke, totally a joke. No, we're, we're very happy to have all of you back have one announcement that I want you to be aware of uh, just as we get ready for the next week. Um, we've been having these two live group expresses. One has been meeting in Cottage Grove at the Hansons, and one's been meeting at Dunn Brothers. The one at Dun Brothers will go on as expected this week, but the Hansons are going on vacation. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to meet at their house. They're not going to know uh, about <laughs> We're going to meet at my house this week. Uh, the address is on the iPad in there, so sign up. If you have an issue with the Hansons and that's the reason you haven't been going, this is a great week to come to my house. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and so please, if, if that's something that you're interested in, just sign up out there. Uh, it helps us know like, how much snacks to have and you know, how many kids to plan for and that kind of stuff. So very, very fun time, uh, a little bit of Bible study, uh, and we're, we're excited for it. Having said that, uh, you know that this morning we're talking about words. And we've been talking about wisdom and foolishness. And and so uh, when we talk about foolishness, this phrase uh, that we might be borrowing from someone a little more famous than us, uh, this phrase, (coughs) excuse me, this phrase makes sense. Uh, Fools are to be pitied. Fools (laughs) say some of the most ridiculous things. Now, as a kid, I was taught this phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And that's a lie. Uh, And so it's a good thing the kids are out of here at this point because I I didn't want to break their hearts and, and, you know, ruin that. But that's a lie. Words are tremendously powerful. And we see this in Scripture very early on. Two phrases, two things that I want us to remember from Scripture. Uh, The way that the book of John starts. In the beginning was... The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you remember how God spoke the world into creation? He didn't wave a magic wand, He didn't just think it into creation, but it was by His very Word, by by the spoken Word, that the world was brought into being. Words are powerful. If you don't think words are powerful, I want to have a little test. Real quick, this is just a test. These words by themselves typically mean nothing, but but these words right now mean a lot. I'm going to offer a word or phrase, and I want you to to kind of introspectively assess how these words make you feel. So here are a series of words. Radical Islam. Islam is a religion of peace. Peace. Make America Great Again. (laughs) I'm with Hillary. Black Lives Matter. Blue Lives Matter. Murder. Self-defense. Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champs. (laughs) Jesus died for your sins. Jesus was not real. I love you. I don't love you anymore. God hates the world. God loves the world. Words make us feel. Words make us feel. Words are not meaningless. They're not valueless. Words make us feel. They bring about emotions. They bring about thoughts. Words are powerful. And I would imagine that some of those words probably hit you pretty hard. I would imagine that for most of us, some of those words either resonated and some of those words stung because words matter. There's a guy named Roy Williams, and I don't think it's a basketball coach, but it could be. He might be this smart. I don't know. But he has this quote that I just came across this week, and I thought it was too good. Words start wars and end them. They create love and choke it. They bring us to laughter and joy and tears. Words cause men to willingly risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Our world as we know it revolves on the power of words. Just simple words, combination of vowels and consonants, simple utterances. Our words as we know them, the words that we speak, are tremendously important. We can be wise with our words or we can be extremely foolish with our words. And either way, both have consequences. And so as I was thinking about that this this week, and I was thinking through how much words matter, there were two questions that I thought of that that I think we need to answer this morning. And so the first question is this, what do we do when we say foolish things? Because we're going to. That's the secret. We're going to say foolish things. So what do we do in response to that? But, But a second question is equally important. What can we do before we say foolish things? What can we do before we say these? So question number one. What do we do when we say something foolish? Do you ever put your foot in your mouth? And I mean that figuratively. So if any kids are in here trying to do that, that's not what I mean. But it's a figure of speech, means that, meaning that you just try to stop yourself, but you're not quite able to. There's this comedian that, that I had this friend named Logan who was really into this comedian. His name was Brian Regan, uh, and some of you know who that is. He's super funny. Uh, but when I was in high school, Brian Regan released this uh, album of jokes, I guess. And, and there's one joke where he goes into a grocery store who's in the grocery store, he sees this woman, and he walks up to her and he says, when's that baby due?" And her response is, what baby? <laughs> and so he goes on to tell about how he tries to talk about the baby panda at the zoo and, you know, <laughs> you know try to cover it up. But nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying it. We say foolish things sometimes, and that's, that's a comical version, that, that's lighthearted, but we do say foolish things, and the first thing that we need to do when we say something foolish is simply this, and this is the hardest, realize that you said something foolish, right, you know, that seems like common sense, like, I, oh, I know I said something foolish, but sometimes we don't, like sometimes we think we said the smartest thing in the world, we, we think, oh, that was a brilliant insight, and it was extremely foolish, Because we don't see ourselves as fools. We think we're wise. We think we're smart. So I came up with a few ways to check. You know it was foolish if. Okay, and and here are just three, and I'm going to ask you for your input in a minute, so, so be thinking about this. You know it was foolish if they roll their eyes. Right? You know it was foolish if they roll their eyes. Husbands, if you see your wives do this, you know you just said something foolish. You know it was foolish if uh, they look intently at you and just walk away. They look intently and leave, like I'm not even going to give that a response. You know you're a fool. And finally, you know it was foolish if you get punched in the jaw. (laughs) It's a dead giveaway every time. Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verses 6 and 7 say this. A fool's lips bring strife, and a fool's mouth invites a flogging. The mouths of fools are their ruin, and their lips a snare to themselves. First thing you have to do after you've said something foolish is come to the realization that you've said something foolish. After that, there's a second thing, and and this is one that the Proverbs talk quite a bit about. It's called coming to your senses. And coming to your senses is not simply the realization that, that you said something that was foolish, but it's recognizing that there are ramifications for saying something foolish. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, No one who conceals transgressions will prosper, but one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs 25, verse 12 says, Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise rebuke to a listening ear. Proverbs 27, verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Some of you are able to come to your senses on your own because you are wise, but some of us need somebody else to put us in our place every now and then. This is something that Patrick talked about a few weeks ago, and I, I think it bears repeating. You need people in your life who don't just tell you what you want to hear, who tell you what you need to hear. You need people in your life who don't simply say yes to everything that you say, but who actually offer you challenges to be better, to not say that foolish thing again, who who point it out to you that say that was foolish and you should feel bad about that. One of the things that I've become more and more aware of in my life is that there is this need of confession. And and we're going to talk about confession. Confession for the third part of this, this idea of what we need to do when we say something foolish. But I, I'm going to go ahead and offer you a sub-challenge to the major challenge that I'm offering this week. The sub-challenge is this. I, I dare you, I, I challenge you to confess a sin to someone this week. Not, not simply on your own, not simply, you know, oh yeah, I've done something bad, so I'm, I'm going to feel bad about it. That's not, that's not what confession is. Confession's really important. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, he said this. When I admonish you to confession, I'm admonishing you to be a Christian. Those aren't two separate things. It's not like, hey, confession's just something that... That's kind of important. No, confession is part of who we are. You see, we we believe that we are a congregation of saints here, and I, I totally believe that. I believe you're all great and godly people, but you're also a congregation of sinners, and I'm right there with you. There's always need for confession. So the challenge is to leave behind kind of the way we view ourselves and because we know we're far from Perfect. And just so we're clear about what this will look like, confession has three aspects to it. And if you're taking notes, this would be a good one to to focus on because we talk about confession sometimes and it's an abstract idea. But historically, confession has had three components to it. The first one is examination, and this is something you can do on your own or something somebody can help you do. But examination has to happen. You have to actually know that you have sinned. You have to know that you have been foolish. You have to come to the realization, and you can't do that if you don't ever think about it. Second thing is sorrow, and that one feels weird. I'm telling you to be sorrowful, but sorrow is necessary. Sorrow is one of those things, if you don't feel bad about your foolish words, if you don't feel bad about the mistakes that you've made, you're likely to repeat them. Sorrow, godly sorrow, is incredibly important. The third one is this, determination. After you've been sorrowful, if you just wallow in sorrow, if you just feel bad about yourself, you've done nothing. But the third part is the most important. You have to determine to do better have to be determined not to continue to say those foolish things, not to continue to wallow in sin and self-doubt. So, the challenge is to, to confess this week. So what do we do when we say something foolish? Three things. You realize you said something foolish, you come to your senses, and you confess. So that takes care of that idea. That, that if you've said something foolish and you come to the realization that you've said something foolish, these are concrete things that the book of Proverbs kind of points us to. But the second question is the one that matters the most right now. What can we do before we say something foolish? You might be thinking something foolish, but the second it leaves your lips, that's another problem altogether. And I have two suggestions for us. Two things that we can do. First one is this, spend more time listening than talking, okay? Spend more time listening than talking. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 say this, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. You know, I'm the kind of guy that comes into a situation with something to say most of the time, and and I need to check that a little bit. I need to come into a situation willing to listen, as God has called us to. I don't know how many of you are interested in the political stuff going on right now. It's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit all over the place. It's kind of like a train wreck that you can't take your eyes off of. And by you, I mean I. It's. I know you're all laughing, but you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This whole this whole situation's a lot of a lot of fun, and and it's interesting to watch from from a, an objective point of view a little bit. But it, 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 this past couple weeks, CNN, which is the only news channel I get, has been doing a lot of town hall meetings. Uh, and these are interesting and weird and, and, you know, somewhat helpful. But instead of interview, like having a town hall meeting with Hillary Clinton or with Donald Trump, this past week they had one with Paul Ryan, who's the Speaker of the House. And it was a really interesting Um, Give and take a little bit. My parents were in town, and we were watching this together, just kind of commenting, like, why is this guy even invited to do this right now? What's the the value of this? And we still don't know. Uh, But it was really interesting when he got to the point where he was asked, you know, what did you learn from your parents? And so, you know, as I'm sitting there with my parents, kind of listening in on this, he said that his mom had this saying that she would always use... God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion. <laughs> right? Wisdom from a politician, and actually from his mom. So there you go. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them in proportion. I thought that was brilliant. How would your life change if you listened twice as much as you spoke? Really consider that. How much would your life change if you listened twice as much as you spoke? I didn't tell Lindsay I was going to do this, so it's two weeks in a row. I'm I'm on fire. Lindsay and I fight over silly things from time to time. Uh, Our our fights don't always have a lot of substance. Uh, And that's great. I mean, that's, that's helpful. I have this ability to make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, if you're familiar with that phrase, to make something that's seemingly small and meaningless into something that's uh, just a little bit ridiculous. So Lindsay will typically be explaining something to me relatively calmly. And that's the point when I would say, you know, I'll interrupt and and say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. And and she'll let me finish almost every time exactly what I'm going to say. But after that, it's like clockwork. I know exactly what she was going to say. Well, if you would let me finish (laughs) and then go on to be right. Because I let my mouth open before I leave my ears open. Our arguments go from productive to unnecessary. I think many of us are guilty of that. I might be prescribing that on you. That might not be true. But if that sounds familiar to you, maybe we should take the advice to listen twice as much as we speak. Proverbs 13, verse 3, says this. Those who guard their mouths preserve their lives. Those who open wide, their lips come to ruin. I think there's a lot of wisdom in the idea that we should keep our mouths shut. Second, if you can't control your mouth, just stay quiet. I know, that's, that seems pretty obvious, but... But I came across this verse that I thought was was so intriguing. Proverbs 17, verse 28 says this. Even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. Right? (laughs) So if you see me just being quiet at the back, I know you know that I'm a fool. I know that you know I'm foolish. But I'm trying to be deemed intelligent, so, so that's what's going on. I think there's a lot of wisdom in the idea that if we just keep our mouths shut, then we avoid a lot of pain. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, To watch over the mouth and tongue is to keep out of trouble. I mean, it's cut and dry. It's very simple. If you watch what you say, you're not going to offend people. Plato was this great philosopher 2,000 years ago. Uh, Just really significant works that he's written. And this is the most impressive quote that I found this week. Wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools because they have to say something. Right? That's exactly what the Proverbs are saying over and over again. If you're questioning whether or not you should say something, don't if you're questioning how somebody's going to respond to what you say, just don't say it. There there is a time to speak, but there are many, 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 many more times to be quiet. And that's something that we need to learn. Church, are we wise or are we foolish with the words that we speak? And you need to ask yourself this question all week, is what I said wise or should I have just been quiet? I implore you, choose to be wise this week. If if the situation calls for it, keep your mouth closed. If the situation calls for it, make sure that what you're saying is of God and is good. I'm going to hand it over to Leon to lead us in a closing prayer.